Here we go, episode 14 of the Hibs Ramble. It's me, Craig, back again with Sean and Liam. How are you doing, boys? Not bad, mate, you? I'm all right. I'm good. Good to be back. That looks like a cracking bit of Hibs-related gear you've got on the day. Sean, you want to give us a twirl? Oh, uh, yes, of course. It's a little uh, sweatshirt number. Uh, Skull Cup winners, 1991. Lovely stitch badge, the old satin badge. You love to see it. Nice, I've joined you with the old satin badge, as you can see. Yeah. 96, 98, purple away top, and Liam's got... I've got an Adidas t-shirt on. It's green, green. It is green, so no. I'm not, I decided not to put any hip stuff on today because. And if uh, if you haven't already watched the shirt video to see where me and Liam rated the shirt that Craig's got on, go give it a listen. Exactly. I didn't rate it at all. Spoiler. I like that one. I love it. No spoilers whatsoever. So <clears throat> busy one today. We've got a couple of things to go through. We'll start with. Uh, as cringy as anything the way that Hibs say it, but the wee high bees last night, I hate them calling them the wee high bees, just call them the, the youth team. Um, we kind of touched on it yesterday, Sean, with a Mystic Mac prediction, said that they had the job, said that they had it done and dusted, and he was right. But they made, uh, they were made to work for it 2-1 against Mulder. Granted, I wasn't there. Me and Liam actually watched the penalties on a very shite WhatsApp video call. Shout out, Carl. But we've all watched the, head, the the sort of highlights this morning. What's your takeaway, Sean? How big do you think this is for the for the academy, given the restructure it's went through in the last sort of eighteen to twenty four months? I think even just winning the league alone last year, even if it didn't come with any European stuff like it is for the boys this year, I think just winning the league alone just goes to show that what the club are doing in the background proves um, that that they're on the right track. Whether these boys go on to play for Hibs, first team, which obviously we, we, we want to see as many of them as possible, or they go and play for other uh, teams within the pyramid, I think it goes to show that the hard work that's going off the park is is, is happening. So, um, And you've seen it last night as well. There's a lot of talented boys as well. Um, I've been at the club for a while and I've came in um, recently. So very, very proud of the performance of the boys last night. Got the win through to the next round and play. Uh, is it Nantes next? It is, aye. Yep. Aye, it's um, <clears throat> like you say, winning the league last season's the. So as you, you want to be the best in your age group at any level. But it kind of shows the, you know, that bringing Steve Keenan to lead that with uh, Darren McGregor sort of stepping up in the summer as well to do the development side. What was your take on the result, Liam, given that this Mulder team, I mean, we played the Mulder senior team a few years ago and got our got our pants pulled down. And admittedly, this team's got quite a lot of senior appearances between them as well. The Hibs boys, I think probably what O'Connor and then the rest of the youngsters that played at the end of last season for 15, 20 minutes in the, the last game. So how big an achievement is it for them to beat a team as technically proficient as Mulder were? I guess a really big achievement, to be honest with you. Um, when you think of Mulder, you, I mean, your your head thinks straight of, of Haaland, um, and then you think of all the other good young prospects at Norway have, have got going for them and a lot of them are coming through Molda. I'm sure Erling Haaland's cousin plays for the the youth team at, at Molda as well. So, I mean, the, they're, they're just a different breed, to be honest. And like you say, they've got a lot of first-team appearances between them and there's only, you know, a, a slight few um, that have got appearances for Hibs. But I felt like I didn't watch the game over in Norway, but from what I've heard, they were quite hard done by coming back with a one 0 loss. Absolutely. So it's, it's good to see it's good to see them going out and giving it a proper go and, and attacking them and managing to get over the line. As difficult as it was in the end, but they did it. I wasn't really surprised either as well, because of how well they managed the league last year and dare I say romped it towards the end. I wasn't surprised that they, they got the result at all last night, especially with the quality that we've got and 
Maybe Aye. sets a precedent as well for that team, though, which is good. Aye, I mean the the, the last time we had a successful youth team was about was I think it was 2017-18 season. Uh, just had broken through at the start of that season, but was still eligible uh, for the youth team. I think it was the Scottish Youth Cup that they won, but they had Ollie Shaw was in that team, Fraser Murray was in that team. Um, so that's kind of the last batch of players to come through. Is there anyone out that team, Sean, that you think is close to the first team squad? Um, I would have said um, Oscar McIntyre if we didn't bring in uh, Cabraya at left back. Uh, Chabraya. Chabraya. Sorry. Chabby. Um, I would have said him. Um, I also, I don't know if it's because I grew up watching his old man that I feel like Josh should should get a run at some point, but we now have so much quality going forward. I think it'll be tough for any of the attacking players in that youth team to get in uh, into this, into, not even on the pitch, but just in the squad in general. Um, however, whenever I have watched any games with the young team, um, Josh has stood out, Ethan stood out, um, and, and Oscar stood out for me. Uh, Another one, though, anyway. my, pal said, my pal was at the game last night and he said that Murray Aitken, uh, the wee number eight, was, was superb and he strolled yeah. it. He was, the, he was the, the sort of youth player of the year last year, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. He's the, I think it's him and um, Oscar McIntyre, I think that from Steve Keane's perspective anyway, um, are the ones that are sort of close to break. Just because you touched, just because you mentioned Josh O'Connor there, Sean, there was an interview that he'd done with Patrick for the evening news during the week, and both him and Ethan Laidlaw in the last year of their contracts. Yeah. Do you think that the, like you say, with the the options that Hibs have now got in forward areas in the first team, do you think that they could maybe see their pathway stagnated a little bit, or do you think they'll, because I suppose they, um, they're in the weird, they're still kind of eligible for the 19s, but they're also maybe being pushed towards the development squad? I I would be very, very annoyed um, if we ended up letting them go. Especially uh, given we let uh, Conor Young go to Rangers in the summer as well. Well, I yeah. think the reason why we we let him go is because we were wanting to keep Josh and, and Ethan. That's the rumours that I heard. Mm-hmm. So why they're still not signed, signed the contract or not, I don't know. Um, I won't name names but I was speaking to someone that knows Josh very well and um, they they were very annoyed on his behalf that um, there wasn't a good enough deal or a deal on the table at that point um, that that was at the beginning of last season it was about this time back it was probably about this time last year um, so the fact that I mean I don't know if there's a deal on the table now for either of them um, but I'd be very very disappointed if there isn't especially how much we we like to use them as content especially Josh with his dad and um, and hang on it's not like they've not earned it's not like they've not earned it you know what I mean they've earned the contract so get them signed up as far as I'm concerned we're always there bigging them up so why why we're either not offering the deal or why it's maybe not being agreed, I don't know. There might be something else to it. Maybe maybe the two of them aren't confident enough in not in their ability, but in the club's ability to push them through and get them into the first team eventually. I, I just don't know. Um, it's all speculation, but I'd be very disappointed if the two of them didn't sign a new deal and, and got let go. Very annoying. The thing for the two of them as well is that they're both massive Hibs fans. I mean, you can see that, you know, that would have been a dream come true for, for maybe more so for Josh last night, given that, you know, no, even 10 years ago, his old man was doing it on the same pitch. Um, But they they showed nerve, they showed steel with the penalties, every single penalty dispatched to take them through the next round. And I think, you know, uh, one of the one of the we've got one of the questions for later on, but we can kind of touch on it now. Um, was the introduction of block seven behind the goals? Now, back when me and Liam done the <clears throat> hips talk extra time stuff, we were very critical of the block seven boys because they didn't start on the right foot. <clears throat> they were arguing with people. They were singing songs that, quite frankly, 
in my opinion, didn't belong anywhere near Easter Road. <clears throat> Do you think that the way that they were towards the young boys last night, I know they, they changed like the David Marshall song, uh, Murray Johnson, and, you know, we're really encouraging the young laddies. Do you think this is a positive thing going forward? Should Is that maybe the area that Block 7 should, provided that they can continue yeah. themselves? I, I don't want to I don't want to talk too much about it just now because obviously we do have a question about their location and stuff. But I always feel like a singing section behind the goals, nice and low. Uh, it's so cliche, but it's like they suck the ball into the goal. Uh, you see it with the cop at Anfield and the yellow wall at Dortmund. I mean, I, I know that we're obviously not on the same scale, but it's the same kind of the same kind of premise because where they are at the moment I feel like it's far too far away from where we are shooting in the second half usually you know I mean again it's next to the away fans and there's a bit of banter there but I think there's a difference between then being just like wee bams who want to bam up the opposition and being a proper section which I think that's what they want to do and suck the ball into the goal. Mm-hmm. I think no. it helps that the, the all the block or the majority of the block seven boys are very very young, so they're about ages with a lot of the boys that were on that pitch last night as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so they can maybe relate to to what those guys are going through and what I mean the boys on the pitch are doing what those boys behind the behind the goal are, would love to do. Well, they went uh, straight um, over and celebrated with them. Yeah, they were right in the stand straight yeah. after Oscar scored his goal. I thought that was brilliant. Everyone was in there, so it's not as if they were reluctant to jump in they pretty much the whole squad jumped straight in the stand so um i think from a club's perspective i've i've never understood why it's in the east purely because it's more likely to cause bother with away fans and and people getting on the pitch and i think traditionally that's that's where the more vocal the hip support always was even going back to the days oh, the old and and even days before that but Aye, well done to them. Um, you know, a very, very proud moment for the club to see. And it got quite a lot of uh, traction as well, like the amount of people that were there, and especially the Block 7 boys, a lot of people were talking about it. Aye, 3,000, that's the first time uh, that a lot of these boys will have played. I know they play, you see them play in front of a crowd, but everybody's mum and dad standing on the sidelines watching isn't really a crowd. You know, 3,000 of them, um, you know, maybe shows, you know, maybe will help the club as well see how much we believe in the young players and maybe think that some of them are worth you know keeping on and giving a chance on and then I think the next uh, it's nonce away uh, sorry nonce and uh, I think it's the 26th of October so here's hoping if it's it we can get Easter Road again um, I know that my my Mondays and Wednesdays are clear now so well no be a two-legged I'm yeah but I think I think the first game's at Easter Road this time we're the, the home, we're the home team for this for the second next round day. Right. And then it's I believe if we get through that, we then play teams who get knocked out the <clears throat> the group stages. So you know how the 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 main Champions League group stages, the youth teams mirror it. So I think Celtic played Leipzig's youth team yesterday. Yeah. In Glasgow. So uh, here's hoping, and I'll I'll certainly be there. And I think you know we try and yeah, get. I'll go as well. As many people along as possible I'm to. Like it. to but on to on to Saturday, um, it's a day that I think a lot of Hibs fans didn't think we'd see coming, um, and that is Frank Sozzi is going to be back at Easter Road on Saturday presenting. I believe it's presenting the match ball, or you know, carrying the ball out and putting it on the plinth or whatever it is that he's. Whatever it is that he's going to Maybe do. They end up doing what they do at testimonials where they, they kick off the match. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's um, I think when you, you know when you think back to when you're a kid and you first go and watch football and you've got all your heroes like I've, I chop and change it all the time. It was Keith Wright, Darren Jackson, Kenny Miller, Chick Charnley. But I think the most recognisable and probably most famous name to have played for Hibs in my lifetime anyway would be Sozzy. Yeah, um, says it all really. Uh, and he was one of one of the only one of the earliest players I think to get a ten out of ten from is it Lequipe or Le- uh, yeah the French that, uh, yeah, yeah. The French newspaper that's notorious for giving shite ratings for good performances. 
Um, what's your what's your memories of Sozzy at at Hibs, Sean? Um, the majority of my memories were between maybe night or lit, when we were in the first division and got promoted. Um, so you're you're talking next to Yogi. You've got his bleach blonde hair, uh, getting his teeth knocked out, uh, Millennium Derby stuff like that. Um, I was actually sitting next to a Hearts fan in the famous five lower for the six two. So um, I remember it's that game. It's not as if they were sold at the end. What was, was the difference? I don't. I don't actually know. It was one of my neighbours at the time. Um, I, I, honestly, I have no idea how he ended up next to me, but he was. Um, <clears throat> it's. I do feel really bad for him how it ended as well. Um, I was. I wasn't at the 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 air game at Hamden where they put us out, um, but I certainly felt horrible for him because I feel like there was a lot of, not hatred maybe towards him, but maybe towards the club at the time. And I feel like he obviously took the brunt of it. Um, and maybe because obviously he's French and, and, and not British, he, he maybe didn't understand it a little bit more. Because when he was playing, a lot of the time when he was playing, we were doing well and, and he was the focal point and everything was was, was going well at the time. So um, a, lot of, a, a lot more positive memories about him, that's for sure. No, I'd I'd agree. I mean, I think the as a, his appointment as a manager was like one of those where teams come up to the end of their cycle. So that McLeish team that had you know McLeish took over, I think, with maybe eight games left of the Premier League season where we went down. But I think we were too far adrift at that point. Um, then obviously we came back up. The first season I think we finished sixth, but then the following season was third. Yeah. Scottish Cup final, you know, beating Hearts um, quite regularly at that time as well. And then with the way that McLeish left to go to Rangers, I think the board at the time just wanted something to try and keep the fans on side. Um, and I think Frank had done his Achilles at that point as well, so he wasn't really playing that much and he hadn't played that much prior. Um, Liam, I know you're a wee bit younger than me. Have you got many memories of uh, Sozzy? Not really. Um, you know, I've watched a lot of video of of like when he played for Hibs and stuff. I, I don't think I ever caught a game where where he played, unfortunately, because you know he was obviously such a good player, winning the European Cup and that. Um, you know, I, to be honest with you, I, I didn't really know an awful lot about him before like he signed for Hibs. Like, I, I don't really know an awful lot about him. As his career, I was talking to my dad and he was like, oh, it's maybe as if like Sergio Busquets or something signed for Hibs after he won the Champions League. Mm. So like when you put it like that, it's like for our younger listeners, obviously you'll know that Frank Sozzi is obviously, oh my God, how many times have I said obviously there? Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> Frank Sozzi is clearly a, a very, very good player, but to the extent I'm not too sure that people, the younger the younger Hibs fans, you know, myself included, really understood how good, you know, and what kind of standard he was actually at. But uh, the, the the one that jumps out at me is, is a goal in the Millennium Derby. You know, I've watched it back so many times. It's it's an absolute screamer, and he just jogs back as if, you know, nothing's happened. Mm. You know, I, I mean, think, up, um, always remember him for these, his white preds as well, and he used to introduce the tape around the socks and put the white socks on top of the Hibs socks, so... Um, he brought a wee bit of style to to the game that you see a lot of players do now as well. So um, oh, I always remember him. Would you go for his haircut, Sean? Would you dye your hair bleach blonde? Uh, around that time, I actually wanted to when I was growing up, but that's because of the the Eminem Stan video. That was the oh. reason why. Maybe not because it's. <laughs> um, I've had blonde in my hair more than enough, but I would never I would never go full blonde. Liam, to give to sort of give you, you know, like you say for the younger Hibs fans who maybe didn't understand how good he was. At the time that he played for Hibs, that was when you know Celtic and Rangers were spending, on you know six million on Sutton, six million on Hearts, and money on Petrov. Rangers, you know, spending twelve million pound on Tory Andre Flo, and you know Sozzy was still probably even Hearts at the time. Hearts were spending big money on players like Ricardo Fuller and that Gordon Petrich and whatnot. And Fozzy, eh, Fozzy. Fozzy? I don't know why I said Fozzie. <laughs> um, Fozzie, Frank Sozzie, was uh, still probably one of the best players in the league. 
I think quite he's, comfortable. He's, known, he's still known to this day as being one of the best players to ever play in the league. Yeah, and he, and that's and not necessarily just when we were. You could argue, pish poor. Yeah. I wish I wish I'd seen him. I wish I would. I wish I'd seen him, but I don't. I don't think. I mean, if I was there, then you know, I certainly don't remember it. But I don't think I ever caught a game where he played. I think it was maybe like two thousand and. 2002, um, years ago, before I think they've only just managed to sort out that sort of right to left slope um, in their pitch, but their goals there was at least maybe a six six to twelve inch difference in the height of the crossbar for the left hand side to the right hand side because of the way the pitch sloped. And I mind they scored two free kicks out there, and my granddad had said to me at the time, "He's going to put in the same. He's going to put it there." Because he can, we can see from behind the goals how the pitch slopes, and he picked the same spot twice in a row. He was just, he was just classic. Seen those free kicks. Uh. It's going to be amazing to see him back um, at Easter Road because we never thought <clears throat> we'd see it, given the way that he left and the the fact that he's never really done anything for the club since. Um, obviously, props to the guys at the Hanlon Stevenson Foundation for getting him involved with that which has sort of facilitated the his return. So onto the game on Saturday, Motherwell. Uh, they picked up a decent win the other night, five <clears> 0 <throat> away at, at Dingwall a couple of days after Weed. They did, but have there. you seen have you seen the highlights? I've not actually seen them that. No. I mean, I think you know you could go into any primary school in, in Edinburgh and pick out eleven eleven people. And they would have scored five against Ross County. I think it's, we, Ross spoke County about, we spoke about it in our Ross County review. Like we could have at some point, we, we're going to take five off a team, so it could have potentially been Ross County. Um, but they were, wasn't. they were honestly gammon. If you look back, I mean, the the goals that they lose are terrible, really bad. Well, they're not going to get that easy chances on Saturday anyway. That's for sure. Won't get any chances, I'm afraid. You would like to think so. I mean, our record against Motherwell over the last few years is, is all right. I mean, the last time we lost was back in 2019, and that was one, two, three... Oops, sorry. It's about eight, nine games ago. So we're eight, unbeaten against them in eight or nine. Um, obviously, they've got Van Veen, who... He's just a Dutch dodge, isn't he? Not really yeah, he's, he's either... He'll either score, well, he scored a hat trick obviously Wednesday night, eh, Tuesday night, sorry, but he's one of these ones where he'll either score, he'll go on a hot streak and score three, four, five, six games in a row, and then he'll no score for about the same six, seven, eight, nine games. So, I mean, I, I actually predicted Motherwell to struggle quite a bit at the start of the season. I watched their games against Sligo. Was it Sligo they played? Aye. Sligo. And that second leg, they were yeah. absolutely honking. I honestly think it's the worst I've ever seen a Scottish team play against European opposition, and that includes watching Hibs and some of the shite that we've played over the years, because they were absolutely terrible. Um, but obviously they acted on that and they got rid of Alexander. Yeah. Alexander, which I think was right. He was a every time we played against, he was just a torn. He was just constantly moaning. He was so torn faced and. Motherwell went into Wednesday's game on the back of two two defeats uh, at home to Hearts and away to Celtic. Admittedly, they were quite hard done by against Celtic, I think, for what I see. For a, for a club like Motherwell, there's no there's no shame in, in those two defeats as well. And Motherwell as a club uh, um, are very happy with, with, with Stephen Hamill as a, as, a, as a boy I know, a Motherwell fan. Um, what a shame. Very happy. <laughs> Very well, he, do, he certainly doesn't go to any games, that's for sure. Um, the club are very happy with, with Stephen Hamill. I think they've done, they, they, they done that appointment not only because he was good enough to step up, but because he knows the club as well. So 
I'm not surprised that they're turning form after he came in. Um, I no shame in losing to those those two teams when you're a, a DDB team like Motherwell. So. <laughs> I was absolutely gasping on that comment, you know. <laughs> no, I think <clears throat> I think you're right. The Motherwell are one of these teams that's they never seem to be you know, sort of consistently maybe top six going for, you know, trying to break into the top five, top four. It's funny you but, say that because they only had like one win in the turn of the year. Aye, and, and they still, still finished in the top six. Like, it's yeah, a like, joke. Uh, they've got no consistency because they like change their 11 every season. I bet you, I bet you would struggle to name like five Motherwell players. I don't know. I can Van Veen. Liam Kelly, the keeper. Goalie. Great goalkeeper. Stephen O'Donnell, Paul McGinn. Sean Goss still play for them? Yep. I think so. And then there was the boy who was uh, in the paper yesterday for saying uh, a policeman. Oh, that he was oh aye. More money than you. Oh, yeah. an absolute weapon. Slattery. Slattery. Is it Slattery? Uh, no, whoever that's... it was, if you're that Motherwell player and you're listening, you are a fanny. I know. But yeah, that's the he exact. He would definitely have a few trips to a kebab shop, that's for sure. What an absolute Yeah, I tell you what. He's like, uh, he's kicking off in the kebab shop and all. Is we didn't a, do that. We didn't do that last time. We've got no, the Hibs Rambo kebab shop. We've got lots of people who have different roles. Is there a worst big time shout in Scottish football than saying you play for Motherwell? That's, like, that's a horrible use, shout. Like. Actually, using that as a. I'm not a weirdo, I play for Motherwell. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while since that got any then. Um, where do we see the danger coming from on Saturday? Not a clue. I, I will think, actually. I, I think you the what? danger will only come from how poor we are. Mm. I think. I think if we're not up to up to scratch, um, Sean Sean Goss will be able to to pick a pass out now and then. But again, it'll only be if. If Noah Kenny, Joe Newell aren't on it, um, the only way I can see Motherwell creating anything will be through our own mistakes. Maybe our fullbacks being too high up. Uh, I don't know if Blair Spittle will play out wide again, um, like he did ju- uh, during the week there. Um, He's got a good set of piece delivery, Spittle uh, as well. So, uh, so, does, so does Sean Goss as well. He done, he had that when he was at Rangers. Yeah. And Aberdeen. scored a free kick against us when he was at Rangers. When he was at Rangers, I played for Aberdeen as well, I'm sure, maybe. Um, St Johnston, I think it was. Was it? it? Was one of them. Um, so it's like it's like Van Vini. He'll, he'll only get service if we're not cutting it off at source, and yeah. he and he'll only be successful if he's bullying Hanlon or getting any change at Portress, which I can't I can't see. Certainly not from Portress anyway. I feel like we've done really def- really well defensively this season though, and shutting teams out and and like you said, cutting it off at source. You know, with the exception of the Aberdeen goal the other week, you know, there's not really been many times where, I'd, well, I wasn't at the St Mirren game, so I don't really know about that, but from what I can remember, there's not really been an awful lot of times where we've let teams, like, run through us and and get something, like, get a goal anyway. So. Mm-hmm. No, I would tend to agree. Um, in terms of how we're shaping up, I think we've kind of touched on it on the, the Ross County Review pod, but we... Would we be happy going with the same same eleven that started on Sunday? Or would you look to make any changes? Starting Liam, Liam, Liam wants McCurdy in, and we can I tell do, by the look on his face. That I he do, wants I do in. want McCurdy in. I do, know do what? because I just only, want to see that. The only reason he wants McCurdy in is because he can't handle McCurdy warming up, going past him, <laughs> Liam standing up to do it, and for McCurdy to just look at him and go straight past him yeah. and not even acknowledge it. I'm going to get a V cut as well in time. I am a, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of like consistency, especially for winning and playing well. Yeah. Um, I know the first half in Ross County we weren't overly great, but then we started the second half strong. So it's not as if the second half performance was better because of subs that were made. Maybe tactical tweaks, but certainly not subs. So, um, if if it's the same starting eleven. I'll be happy if it's if it's one change, then maybe, but I don't see there being any more than one I change. I think if there is a change, it will be you and out McCurdy in. I think that will be the change if there is one. But yeah. no, I'm I'm not convinced that 
um, he'll change it because you know why change a winning team in essence. So I don't I'd, think I'd unless, be happy with you to start, or I'd be happy with McCurdy to start. I think unless some of the players have had an absolute nuclear in training during the week, there's no one in that starting eleven for me that deserves to lose their place as such. The the one would be would be Yuan over McCurdy, possibly, but even then I wouldn't be too fussed if McCurdy still was to start on the bench for this one. But I, for me it's key to get get off to an early start, I think. Get the game one early doors because we've got yeah. the midweek game. Yeah, completely. Then even even when it gets to you know the second half, we can maybe give, you know, give McGuinness forty minutes rather than twenty minutes like or fifteen minutes like yeah. what we got last week. Um, even if players like Melkerson are fit again, you know, get them back involved. Uh, Rocky, I don't know if it's maybe too soon for Rocky. I think he's getting closer, though. Um, in terms of predictions, uh, we'll just touch on the fact that your boy, your man, your host, your leader, your captain, your legend, got it absolutely spot on. Well done. The County preview last week with a 2-0 shout. Uh, Sean, I think you went, did you go 3-0, 3-1? I went three 0 and I predicted a defender to score in Boyle to get two, so I was wasn't he far off. I think Does I went for three one. Yeah, he did. Doesn't he get you the cigar though? Being that close, Sean. Sorry, the cigar will stay with me. Uh, so yeah, once we will put once this episode goes up and we'll put the tweet out for your predictions. Get in touch. It'll be good to. But don't we've, we discussed kind of doing a league, but I don't think we're going to do. I think we're a bit late to start something like yeah. that. Maybe think about that for next season. Yeah, we'll, get, get, we'll get the tweet out pre-game, get people's yeah. predictions once they see the team, get the um, post one out to confirm who has or hasn't got the prediction correct as well. Yeah, just a wee bit of fun between us and the... Our, what, 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 what will we call our... Our, our ramblers. Would you, would you, oh, we call them the ramblers? Yeah, 100%. You got to know when to hold them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this we need week, our predictions, though. We need their predictions. Yeah, this week I'm going to go for... I feel bad saying us to concede, but I feel boring saying 2-0 again. So I'll go 3-0 this week. I'm going to also go for 3-0. Um because Craig got it right last week. So, <laughs> nah, I had 3-0. I had 3-0 in my head. Um, I think we'll give them a doing. I think it's it's going to be a a 3 going on 33, to be honest. Right, I'll just be how how prolific we can be in front of goal. I think that'll, that'll change it. What about you, Sean? I think um, it'll be 1-0 going on 5 or 6. Um, and I think we'll get I think we'll get the goal early, first fifteen twenty minutes. But they come on all over again. Aye, and then I just think I think it'll then just be constant pressure and it'll be chances missed. Um, but then obviously we'll touch on it for the, the Dundee United game. I think that'll be the one where things could maybe there could be a wee bit of a romp. Well, was going to, we would say hopefully because uh, who the manager is, but. Obviously, he's no longer there now. Rest in piss. That managerial career that BBC Scotland absolutely chug wildly over. Uh, you're no laughing now, are you? Yeah. Insert <laughs> Nigel. Insert you're Nigel not laughing Farage. now. Insert Nigel Farage. You all laughed at us as well. I have to say, you're not laughing now, are you? A uh, couple of questions for us to wrap up on, boys. Uh, first one comes from one of the boys, Ali Turnbull. When fit... Does Rocky come back in for Hanlon or do we stick with what we have with Hanlon and Port just building a strong partnership? I think with any player coming back from injury, they're going to need to earn their place back. So I would stick with Porto and Hanlon. Yeah, uh, I, I agree as well. We've, we've seen that Lee Johnson will do that as well. Um, I think if he's maybe fit for Celtic or fit, say hypothetically we're beating Dundee United, comes on, gets minutes there, and then Lee Johnson might change shape for, for the Celtic game and go with three centre-halves. Maybe. I agree. I think we, we do need to be mindful of... It's quite easy to forget that Paul's going to be 33 next year. Yeah. So he's... You know, he is getting to that sort of latter end 
of his career. But I think the last few weeks he's he's playing as well as he as he has for a very long time. Yeah, no, I remember how well Rocky was doing pre-injury as well. So it's yeah. not as if he's the the bomb scare that people like to think it is. No, he exactly. Rolling in, he was doing a lot. He was he was the best centre and half at the two. Just mm-hmm. doing a lot better than Ryan, so. No, I agree. Uh, first, first day a double, a doubler for our good pal Kevin Wilson. In honour of the God coming home on Saturday, which former player from your time supporting Hibs would you drop into the current team? Liam, you go first with that one. That's a good one. Go and be I sensible. Could go, I could go born and say John again, but. Uh, I'll go with Jason Cummins because I loved him. If we, um, if we if we had Jason Cummins, how would you fit him in the squad? Stay for for Kukurevich. Yeah. Yeah. Which is harsh because I do like Kukurevich, but I, I, I love Jason Cummins. What about you, Sean? Um, I think the easy answer would be Sozzy. Uh, I think somebody of his Cop ability. Out. Cop out. It's not who I'm choosing. Give me a chance, boy. Um, it would be an easy answer to see somebody like that next to Ryan Porteous. Um So I'll go for his good old buddy, old pal, John Yogi Hughes. Oh, huge I, think having, I think having two absolute diehard hibbies at centre-half. I know Paul Hanlon, yeah, 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 whatever, but Paul Hanlon's not as big a hands man as Yogi Hughes. So, Do you think John um, Hughes would be treated the same in today's media as Ryan Porteous has? Yes, I think it would be very similar. I think it would be very similar. Um, so I think Ryan Portress next to a, a peak John Hughes, the, the two of them would be sliding into everything and chucking their heat at everything. It would be unbelievable to watch. Plus, John Hughes, icon you need a centre-half. So that's why I would choose a more defensive-minded player. That's fair. I think, for me, given the lack of goals, given the lack of Creativity a lot out on the left wing. I think I'd have to go for Derek Rardin. Um, coming in off the left, he was that season under Mowbray. Uh, that first season under Mowbray, he was just he was another level. Um, and that's I think you you kind of feel really nostalgic and biased towards a time where you really felt into football. So that was yeah. so I think that year I was twelve thirteen. Um. Starting to play a living aside in that myself, I played in the same sort of position, so I really watched Arden closely um, and been able to use both feet. You know, he could score tappings, he could score screamers, he could score free kicks, he took corners with both feet. So I think and if you lay it up in the box for him, he'll score a header. Exactly. Aye. For me, it would be I've missed that reference completely, whatever it is. But, um, but for me, it would be. It would be Derek Rardin. We'll share that with... I don't know... suit our our Lee Johnson's playing style really well? Ivan Sproul. Oh, wow. On the wide wide left. If you look at how raw... See if if Ivan Sproul actually got some proper coaching from some decent people in today's game. He'd be very similar to Martin Boyle, I think, yeah. Imagine Boyle on one how raw Martin Boyle was when he first came. Martin Boyle was just off base. Couldn't do anything else. I was a strange one. Like you could see, even at that, like when he first came, you could see that his level of football ability was almost none. None. It was the fact he was so fast. Aye. Like I've, I don't think I've, I don't think I've seen a player as quick as that over twenty thirty yards. The the pace that he had was was absolutely frightening. Um, but we'll get that. Do you know what? We'll share that out. Um, you know, get in touch with us and let us know for your time supporting Hibs who it would be. I think for most folk, if you listen for what era, we could probably pick what player you'd have. I think maybe for those listening in the seventies, it would be somebody like Pat Stanton. The eighties would be I don't know who would you have Keith Wright, Mickey Weir, John Collins possibly. That is Steve Archibald. Bye. Let us know. Uh, the next question we've got is for Gav Dick. Um, I think he's missed a couple of words off of this, so I'm going to try and decipher it. Uh, You've you got see... something about Gav Dick, eh? Mate, I can't stand shy grammar, I'm sorry. <laughs> I 
I'm, you, I'm really you've sorry. went for Gav. You've went for Gav Dick a couple of times. You think after last night we will see an increase in the under-19 games? Thought they were brilliant last night. Now, I don't know if he means will we see an increase in the games being played at Easter Road? And no, I think he means all, all, we'll see an increase in them possibly playing for the first team. I'm not I sure. I think he means an increase of people going. Going, aye. I would hope so. I mean, it's... There hasn't been, though, since they done well in, in the league last year. When yeah. they were doing really well, there was always people posting online about going to the games and stuff like that. So I I do think there'll be a, a bigger uptake. I, think I, I mean, I'll be, certainly go to the next one if it's if it's uh, letting fans in at Easter Road. I think it's I think a great they idea. They need to try and find somewhere more central that would maybe draw a bigger crowd. So, like, obviously for people getting out to East Mains during the week is not the easiest. Well, um, so I don't know. Don't know if there's a chance of maybe getting Meadow Bank as shite as that is. It's more, you know, it's a lot easier for people to get to, or even Ainsley Park or something like that. How much does Meadow Bank hold? I know there's, I know you've you've got the stand and then the rest is standing. But if if the last if last night's game was at Meadow Bank, it wouldn't have been anywhere near the three thousand day. No. Nah, no way. Not a chance. But I think we need to protect the pitch for the first team. Ultimately, the first team's more more important. But possibly getting a base for the for the the development squad for these bigger games anyway. Um, you know, like, even like the Derby games or something, I know they use the Orion for games like that, but trying to find somewhere a bit more central that can maybe hold a few more people for... You need to get something, because Meadowbank is all well and good, but it's no, it's no, it'd be no good for like your Block 7 or anything like that. You know what I mean? No. No, no, but I think not even taking into account Block 7, just more... To get more people in in general, without obviously damaging the the pitch. Just build a wee, just build a wee Easter Road outside Easter Road, sorted. Uh, Open the checkbook, Ron. Aye, aye. Just build a new stand. Build like, <laughs> do, knock the flats down behind the east and put like aye. a wee, like what Barcelona done with their reserve stadium. Exactly. Uh, John McIntosh coming in again. What's everyone having for dinner? Uh, I don't know what time is it. It's only two o'clock. I'm going to see the Bookie Mormon, so I'm going out for dinner, so I don't know what I'm having yet. Where are you going? You just <laughs> No, where are you going for dinner? He <laughs> just said he doesn't know. Oh, I thought you said he doesn't know what he's going to have. But I'll, I'll, repeat I'll, I'll, I'll repeat it, right? So I'm going to see the Bookie Mormon tonight, uh, so we're going out for right. dinner, but I don't know where yet. Right. I thought you said <laughs> we're going out for dinner, but I don't know what I'm going to have. <laughs> Oh, I really hope people watch the YouTube video just to see the look on my face when you said that. <laughs> Jesus. Nah, to be honest. I, mate, the Book of Mormon was so good. It was class when I went to go and see it. Not as good as Broadway, though. I've, I've already forward, mentioned that. But uh, no, what am I having for dinner? I don't know. There's quite a lot in the fridge. I might have chicken tikka. I might make that. Thursday's, I think Thursday's one of the only nights that because usually I'm away to training Mondays, Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Um, so I think this might be the only night we get, like we're all able to sort of sit and have dinner together. But... Oh, how sweet. No, no. No, no, we family scran. I don't know what it's going to be. Um, and his follow-up is how many is McCurdy getting this week? I don't know if he means minutes or goals. I think... One goal. And a very big celebration. I think he'll play 38 minutes and he'll come on as a sub and he'll have two shots on target, but won't score. <laughs> we love the optimism. Well, I said 1-0 and I said a first-half goal. That's true. If that. he comes on in the second half, he's not scoring, is he? That's, that's yeah, I think he'll have 50% successful dribbles in a 29-minute spell. And a yellow card. Three key passes completed, a yellow card, and two shots off target. I do not think there'll be a red card in the Hibs game this week. That's my prediction. No. will not be a red that card. That's bold, though. That is bold. And I finally, last card question from Kev Wilson. Should Block 7 be moved behind the goals permanently? I think they should. Looks and sounds much better. Absolutely. Yeah. I think Absolutely. so as well. It's, it's annoying because it has been proposed a couple of times to different groups but the the people that are in the family stand behind there are just too much 
just knobs. Just didn't want to move their seat. Oh, I've been sitting there for 20 years. But then they never turn up to half the games. I wouldn't have changed my seat, to be fair, if I got... I, I, I personally think if you're making any stand a family stand I think it should be the west lower because yeah. the kids are going to want to be as close to the players as possible and be able to see the players so being at the dugout close to the warm-ups yada 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 everything like that um, and then if you're going to have the singing section you have it this, the middle section right behind the goals and then that way from a security perspective, it's difficult for people to run on the pitch because they're behind the goal and not to the side of the goal. Um, and I feel like it would be easier to manage than it would be them being in the east. So I think it's only only fair that that's where they go. But I think get them, it's the get idiot them that didn't want to move their seat that's the problem. Because imagine, you know, block seven now is just is just that wee, like, small, smallish section. Imagine if it just grew and grew and grew and it was a whole, the bottom tier Famous Five, oh baby. That'd be class. I do. There's, I do think they need to learn to behave themselves a bit better, though. In all honesty, I mean, oh, I sat. It's only natural. I get that. I sat right they're young, next. They're young laddies as well. You know what I mean? They'll... Aye, but when you remember back when the 1875 boys done it, they were, what was it, section? What was it? Section 43, weren't they? Yeah. And I don't ever seem to recall them having anywhere near as many sort of running battles at times that there has been so far. Like, I, I sat right, right, I was in section 44 last season, they were in 45, so I was right next to them. Um, And, you know, the constant, I think somebody chucked off, ended up chucking a flare at another fan or a smoke bomb and it hit somebody on the way down. Um. I just I think they need to behave themselves better, especially if they want the club to invest in safe standing. Because I think I would be more inclined to go and stand. So if they've extended it to see even even that middle section, and then they branch out to the two, and then the end, I would be more inclined to go and buy a season ticket there probably to stand. I would rather stand at games and sit. There would need to be a level of understanding and agreement with whoever their leader is or whoever the main the main lads are, which I'm assuming isn't a young laddie. I assume it'll be someone a lot older um, based on the pictures that I've seen anyway. There needs to be an agreement between them and the club. Listen, if you're going to move here, these are the do's, these are the don'ts. You break yeah. that, we close the section and you're not allowed into the game. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. And then it's, it's as black and white as that. And whether they let them, obviously they won't let them bring players in, but if they have an allowance for them to bring players in but not throw them on the uh, on the pitch and just have a level of understanding between them and the club I think yeah, that's, I, that's the point of agreement Yeah, no I, I agree wholeheartedly with that in terms of the I do, you know, you, they do add a lot to the atmosphere um, you know, the smoke bombs and that but I, this launching them on the pitch nonsense Wait, needs to stop because you're only, you, Ken, when they when they throw them on all they're doing is damaging our own pitch, damaging the pitch or the astro that's next to it yeah. Reach. Aye, exactly. So I think we're all in we're all in sort of unanimous agreement that block seven and the boys but I do, I do think they need to be guided by some older heads. I think so. Yeah. But I mean they have made a a vast improvement um to where they were when they started, which is probably because they, they've had meetings with the club as well. They're probably yeah. in dialogue with them. I think there's a, a good respect there, and that's what you need. You can't have the club being like, you need to do this, you need to do that, you can't do this, you can't do that all the time. There needs to be a, a bit of give and take between the two parties, which I feel like there is, and that might have been a trial last night for getting them in behind the goals. I hope it was a trial. I would love to see them back there. The club but, will understand as well that if a section like that goes well and it's in a good area. The club can use it for all sorts of videos, photos. People are going to buy season tickets. Well. The lot, do you know what I mean? So they sell more tickets. And Ron Gordon goes on about the, the, the atmosphere that he wants to create. So any way in which he's able to enhance that, which would be moving moving them. You're always going to get the people, obviously, like Craig, you're in, are you still in section 44 or you're in and around that area? No, I'm not anymore. I'm uh, I'm moved back to the famous five upper for this season. You're still going to get that core amount of people that are in section 43 and 44 that stand for 90 minutes of their game 
and they're still going to have the atmosphere at that end as well. Yeah. But having the, the the block seven boys as well, we just enhance it throughout the stadium. It's good, it's good as well because they're, they're a constant noise. I mean, I was standing behind them at Ross County and they never let up for you know from before the game until I was back on the bus. You know, they were singing the whole way. So get them behind the goals. Aye. No, I think we're all in agreement with that. Get behind the goals and just behave yourselves. And then you never know where it can go. But I'm just, I'm an old fart now. That's me talking about the behaving. Because if I was, I mean, Alfie's, what, 12? So in the next couple of years, he's probably going to get involved with with that sort of stuff. And I'm no, he's not exactly going to listen. Oh, didn't, didn't he take that to the game? Behave yourself. He's, he's not going to listen to me. But anyway, that'll wrap up uh, this week's recordings. Um, as always, if you can keep in touch with us on our social media channels at the Hibs Ramble on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, our videos on YouTube, go back and watch the episode that Sean and Liam done about the kits if you haven't done it so far. See where they've ranked the the purple Saturn fairly. Or the two that are behind me for those that can make them out. Uh, the, what are they, 85? Uh, mid, mid, mid to late 80s, the Umbros, the V-neck colours, absolute goats. Yep. So I so get in touch with us. Let us know what you think about that. Let us know your best kits. Let us know what Hibs player for the era that you supported the team that you drop into this year's team. And I just enjoy the rest of your week and enjoy the game on Saturday. And we'll see you next week to review the Motherwell game and look ahead to Dundee United. You certainly will. So see you thanks later, everyone and Liam for joining us. me this week. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.